Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Love. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. All right, everybody, welcome to Dr. Homebrew. <laughs> this month of shows is like uh, full of technical difficulties, I swear to God. I have no uh, idea That was what's perfect. Happening. What are you technical talking about? Technical difficulties? Perfect, yes. It's playing in the background. Our Skype doesn't like us tonight. It's terrible. Everything, Everything's terrible. <sighs> Except this show. This show is perfect. Um, I'll tell you also what's not terrible. Five-star chemicals. The number one sponsor of this show. They own this show, everybody. If they say jump, we have to say uh, off of what? <laughs> Not even how high. Just it's already implied. Into that. a bath of what? <laughs> yeah. Into a bath of... <laughs> Please not <laughs> Soak off your, your flesh with this chemical. All right. I can do that. So they make all the... All the well, not so tasty stuff that makes your beer tasty. That's absolutely right. I mean, very good, Brian. Don't drink it, but no, don't drink. Well, drink beer that's made with you can drink Star Sand. Apparently, I guess it's properly can. diluted. Heard... The the sales guys used to come around all yeah. the homebrew shops and do that. And it's like I just I I trust you. Like I want to tell them I trust you. I don't need you to do that for me because it freaks me out. I don't need to do that. <laughs> properly diluted. What is that? I mean, is this like homeopathy or something? <laughs> If you have rickets, just pour the... No, uh, seriously, 5starchemicals.com. Everyone knows 5 Star. They make that PBW, and they make that Star Sand, and the Sandy Clean, and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you're using 5 Star, you're probably brewing some pretty good beer. If you're not using 5 Star, um, you could use an improvement. Uh, go to your homebrew shop and uh, look for 5 Star Chemicals. PBW, like we said. Star Sand, like we said. Uh, and those two are really the, the key, the kind of crux of, of making good beer. You have to... Clean your equipment first, then you can sanitize. Don't trust those kind of one-step, uh, uh, one-step wonders over there. Uh, you know, you, you do a proper cleaning regimen. All the commercial breweries do it. You should do it too. They make good beer. Well, most of them. Well, some of them. Uh, you need you need to make good beer. Make better beer than the commercial guys, That's please. Right. No one steppers. Takes two steps to properly jump. That's right. That's, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, we also have a brand new sponsor, uh, one I'm really excited about, Brewtoad, Brewtoad.com. What is a Brewtoad? I'll tell you what a Brewtoad is. Uh, go to the website and you'll find out so you don't have to hear my terrible voice uh, tell you all about it. But Brewtoad is an online brewing software uh, database, really. You go in, you register, you make a free account. Uh, like I said, it's free, whatever. You don't have to pay anything for it. You get all the same stuff uh, as you would if you would pay for it. But uh, you go in there, you you have your username, you create your recipes, you upload them into the site. It's very easy to do. All the ingredients are there. You kind of drop, you just drop them in. It's very easy to convert from pounds to you know ounces to <clears throat> kilograms or whatever the Europeans are deciding they want to use now for weights and measurements. Um, Actually, you know, I think yeah. there's about four countries on the surface of the planet that don't use metric right now. Right. And we're, <laughs> yeah. the, we're the leaders. It's, it's us and like Burundi and... Hey, and, I'm a yeah. big fan of Burundi. There you go. Yeah. All my shoes are made there. It explains the hair. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, one thing I enjoy about Bruto, too, is the cross-referencing in there. You like you use a funky ingredient and you can click on the ingredient name and it'll, uh, you know, 
it'll bring up a list of other beers that are brewed with that same ingredient. That's right. It's they, kind of cool. They have a lot of functionality built into this thing. It's pretty cool. Just go there, brewtoad.com. You don't have to make a free account right now if you don't want to, but just go ahead and use that little search to- uh, tool up on the right-hand corner. The search uh, toad? The search toad. Excuse me. That Burt brought to you by Brewtoad. And uh, search for your favorite beer. So if you want to brew, if you're looking to do a Berliner Weiss, for example, search Berliner Weiss. Uh, search whatever, you, whatever you're trying to do. And it'll come up with a plethora, I guarantee it, of, uh, of, of, um, of recipes. They have uh, over 40,000 40, home brewers on this site with something like over 170,000 recipes. Oh, it's actually right here. I don't even have to, I don't even have to guess. 172,000 162 recipes right now on this on this now on this thing right huh. right about, now what about now i'll refresh it well when will now be now yeah, well, i think the, now the, the two was mine i posted earlier tonight uh-oh 100 now it's 100 uh, recipes oh right now three retractions Interesting. it went down it went no. down no 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 go up no? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Never scratch that. Never mind. Moving up. right along. <laughs> Moving right along. No. It's going up all the time. That's a lot more recipes than even I've made. Or, or right. Right. By a factor of 3,000. Billion. You can never yes. brew all those recipes yeah. in your life. You never can. But if you're looking at research stuff and see what other people do. And the cool thing is, they'll, they'll come up, all the all the search functions, all that kind of stuff, all the search results will come up. Citra Single Hop IPA, for example. You mouse over it. It'll tell you the final gravity, the starting gravity, the IBUs. The uh, the ABVs and they have little sliders that'll tell you you know exactly kind of where it is in, in the grand scheme of things as far as that beer goes uh, style wise. So you you don't have to click in every single recipe to look for a target ABV that you're looking for. Let's say you can just kind of mouse over everything and, and find just what you're looking for. These guys are home brewers, man, and uh, and and they've really built something cool here. So I, please yeah. do us a favor, check out Brewtoad.com, support our lovely sponsor. I saw uh, on the Facebooks that they're from Minnesota, too, which is a lovely state, by the way. It is a lovely state. I'm from there. Uh, we also have another new sponsor, another, another new sponsor, um, but one that is un- that is not unfamiliar to the Brewing Network, and it's Nico Brew. Nico Brew. Our handsome, skirt-wearing Nico Brew. Uh, go to NicoBrew.com. He's your one-stop hop shop. Go there. Buy your hops from Nico Brew. Support him. Support his family. Please buy the man some pants. Let buy enough hops where he can stop wearing his wife's clothes and he can just start wearing pants. Please, for the love of God. Whatever. Feeling weird today. Maybe it's the skirt. Maybe it's the skirt. I should probably change. Someday we're going to come in wearing kilts for the show. <laughs> Lee and I. They're skirts. Uh, anyway, so if you're brand new to the show, which I think is our 10th show now, guys. seems really? like Yeah, it seems like a lot less, huh. but uh, this is our 10th show. Uh, the purpose of the show is we want to provide an outlet for, for you, the listener, the homebrew listener, to get feedback on your beers. Oftentimes, it's just not possible to get the amount of feedback you're looking for uh, when you, say, enter a competition or whatever. You get the sheet back, and they're, they're, most of them are filled out very nice. The ones I used to do were not because I'm terrible. Uh, but if you want to ask follow-up questions, you, you can't do it. You can't just send an email. I mean, you can, but you send an email to the judge who fills out your score sheet uh, when you get it back a month after the thing. And it's like, well, I have no reference point for this beer, so he can't, he can't help you out. Right, and nobody ever does that anyways. They don't? Well, I think I've had one or two in like umpteen years of judging. 
I've heard of people getting recipes that way. If like, please send me this recipe. And, and yeah, usually that's the judge well. asking for the recipe. Yeah, yeah. It's like, contact <laughs> Dude, me. This beer rocks. You send the, this to me. Yeah, awesome. and you know, you, yeah. you rarely hear back on those either. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I've asked for recipes before. I never got one. That's awesome. Uh, but that's what that's what Doctor Homebrew is all about, guys. It's uh, it's you come on, you send us your beer, we judge it. Um, uh, my 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 co-hosts and and you know two team. Two team, uh, you know, master judges, BJCP master judges, Brian and Lee. They judge it. I sit up here in the booth and just kind of look at it them too, in his own way. I stand. I'm like, I'm like that guy, the the uh, the uh, the dad from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, who owned the the peanut shelling factory or whatever, and then bought all his Wonka bars for his daughter to win the golden ticket. Yeah, and he would just stand up there with his cuffs rolled. Arms crossed, just looking down amongst his workers, making sure they're. That's just me. I don't do anything. I just watch people. Take I don't your know. hands out of your armpits, please. Thank I you. Smell. And, and so this is also sure, the best, sure. uh, the best brewing, uh, the best judging gig ever because we get all the recipes and they go on brew toad. So that's true. Right. That's true. That's absolutely cool. true. Um, so yeah, what you guys do? You send us your beer. Uh, the guys judge them. You put your recipes into brew toad, and you come on the show with us. So you get to ask the guys questions about what what they're talking about what what the hell are you talking about uh you know add some more dark malts i don't know what that means why don't you help me out uh and then they do and then i go oh that's a really good yeah i can really kind of see so anyway uh we're doing two beers tonight one is a vienna lager and what's the other one guys i forget it's a classic american pre- lager a one c premium american premium lager. premium what, what is a premium american premium. lager it's well is it like a coors it's premium oh it's so not it's like a, a Budweiser. Yeah. Oh. But real Bud, not Bud Light. Like Budvar? No, that would no. be a classic Czech pill. <laughs> yeah, that was a really yes. stupid thing for me to say. I'm glad you guys are here, I tell you, because I'm... Where would you like be without course? a premium? Uh, I don't You'd know. You'd probably I... be right here doing something else, but that's another story. I just figured out what my problem was. Really? The, uh, Do share. Well, I had the live feed. Uh, uh, by the way, our, our home for uh, for streaming now is new.livestream.com slash the brewing network. Um, and so I had that up on the computer so I can, uh, you know, actually update the site. And I forgot to close it. So then when I went live with the software, the stream went live and it was playing underneath everything I'm talking we can edit this out in the real show, right, JP? <laughs> no, because like, it's going a live stream because they're so awesome. Everything's right there. Nobody so. wants to know. So nobody meaning nobody's heard anything we've just said? No, no, they have. It, it was it was playing on the pot that was down, and then I started oh, turning it up, and I heard my own voice. I'm like, God, what is that? Oh. As someone's raping a cat. Is that and then me? It, and it, it's my voice. So, uh, we all sound different. We do sound different. Uh, tell you what, let me take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to start drinking some Vienna lager or? from Glenn. What do okay. you think? Yeah. Cool? Yeah. Let's do All it. Right. All right, everybody. Stay tuned. It's Dr. Homebrew. I'm Stan tuned. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs, and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer spoiling 
Clean Bacteria, PBW, Caustic, Acid Cleaners, Star Sand, Santa Clean, Lubricants and Defoamers, pH Stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. This Mosaic Pale Ale from Rebel Brewer is delicious. Yes, I enjoy it too. Wait, did you hear that? It sounds like a Velociraptor. Why would a Velociraptor be here? That doesn't make any sense. He's going for my beer. I'll stop him. It looks like our frightening friend just has a thing for Rebel Brewer Hoppy Beers. RebelBrewer.com has the largest selection of grains on the planet. And if you order before noon, most orders will ship the same day. Two-thirds of the country gets their orders in two days or less. Rebel Brewer, the velociraptor of homebrew shops. Why wait? Quick, flexible, speedy, fast, not slow, and fast and speedy. Visit RebelBrewer.com today. I'll rip your face off. Oh, and he'll totally do it, too. Visit today at rebelbrewer.com. One of the last things many brewers try to master is the ingredient that makes up most of their beer, water. Brewers Publications is pleased to announce Water, a comprehensive guide for brewers of all levels by how-to-brew author John Palmer and professional brewer Colin Kaminsky. Hi, I'm John Palmer. This book is the result of many years of asking the tough questions about water to professional brewers and brewing scientists, and we are very pleased with how it turned out. It's the first book that is solely about water treatment throughout the brewing process. The book is intended for all brewers, from homebrewers are professionals and we hope you like it from how to read a water report to treating your wastewater and everything in between water is the comprehensive guide you've always wanted on brewing's least understood ingredient flavor contributions water chemistry and adjusting water to styles of beer john and colin will teach you everything you need to know water is available from brewerspublications.com and find brewing booksellers near you take the mystery out of your brewing water visit brewerspublications.com for your copy of water today All right, thanks for sticking with us. It is Dr. Homebrew, the handsome guy who did the voiceover. It wasn't lying to you. Who is that guy? That's an answer man. man. That's an answer man. You pay, you send money and say, say this on a. Okay. And he comes in and uh, says it and then goes, all right, here's my invoice. And then we never pay it. (laughs) Um, With us, I don't know what that means. Uh, We have Glenn Arnold. Glenn, welcome to the program. Thanks, JP. Hi, Brian. Hi, Lee. Hello there. Hey. Oh, I tell you, Glenn, I need some of your beer, dude. Hang on a second. No relation to Tom Arnold, I assume. No relation. (laughs) Uh, All right, Glenn. uh, Tell us, what what purpose did you send your beer to us? What would you like to get out of this lovely train wreck of a show? Well, since I got... 
you guys are brewing experts, and all my friends say my beer's not bad, but I actually want to hear from some experts saying it's drinkable at least, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like Glenn. He has low expectations, just like me. (laughs) Uh, How long have you been homebrewing, buddy? Um, by myself, about nine months, but a buddy showed me how the homebrew, and we brewed together for two, about two years. Oh, okay. That's cool. And are you primarily extract, or are you all grain? All grain. All grain. How long have you been doing all grain? Did you, did you jump uh, by yourself to all grain? Yeah, all, I did all grain by myself, but when I was brewing with my friend, he, um, we started out with extract, and then about eight months we switched uh all grain hmm. all right cool uh did you build your own all grain system or do you buy one of those fancy setups uh we built our built our own yeah, boy that's a homebrew for you boys <laughs> he's building his own thing <laughs> yeah yeah but it's not as nice as some of those fancy commercial ones <laughs> right well i, I yeah. say attaboy and i have a fancy commercial one so you know I don't. It's much nicer to have built your own than it's yours. That's true. It doesn't look so shiny, but it's yours. <laughs> Mine doesn't look That's shiny true. anymore. I oh, I bo- have so many boil overs. Oh, well, put some of that star sand to use and clean it off. I should. I, but I don't <laughs> want to. I don't want to, although it would work pretty well, I'm sure. All right, Glenn, let's dive into your beer here. What do you think? Sounds great. Do you have any in front of you? Are you drinking with us, or is it too early? Yeah, I'm drinking with you. a boy. All right, Lee, what do you think? What do I think? Vienna Lager. Um, <clears throat> all right, where are we here? So we tried this out this evening, and what we get sort of in the aroma, sweet malt, um, moderate apple berry esters, a little out of style on the esters. It should be a clean lager-like ferment, most, ferment mostly just malt and hop aromas. Um, I get a little bit of an almost warty character in the malt in the first bottle, although the second one we got here is maybe a little less so. Um, getting a little bit of an apple character, which seems a little like acetaldehyde. Um, not really picking up any of the spicy noble hops you might get in a lager. But on the other hand, this style, really, that's not a very prominent thing to get. So maybe that's not surprising. Um, it pours a low off-white head, uh, fades to a low beach with, with mixed bubbles. Um, actually, the first bottle had kind of large bubbles. This bottle has much finer bubbles. Looks much nicer, actually. Um, a little bit of haze. has a nice brown caramel color. Although, again, this bottle is much nicer. I'm beginning to think there's a big difference between the bottles on this stuff. Um, but this one has a you know, pretty passable clarity and a nice sort of brown, light brown caramel color like you'd expect with this kind of beer. A sweet malt flavor, uh, fairly bitter in the balance. A little bit of acetaldehyde flavor is uh, moderately strong but not over the top. Um, some red berry and toasty malt flavors are also in there. Uh, you expect the toasty malt and the Vienna lager. The, the berries are an ester. Again, something you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, actually, you probably wouldn't expect with a good lager yeast. A bit of a leafy hop character is there. Uh, the, the, bal- the hop flavor intensity is about right. Um, I'd expect it to be a little more towards sort of a spicy noble hop flavor. Um, the mouthfeel, bodies medium. A um, little low on CO2, but in the first bottle, not so bad here. A little bit of creaminess is nice. A little bit of a drying astringency I found, a little bit tea-like in that first bottle. A little bit of that still here. It's not alcoholic or hot. Um, basically, I thought 
the ingredient choices are probably pretty much dead on. It has a nice malt profile to it. Uh, the hop balance is about right, although the flavor on the flavor hops was a little bit sort of on the green vegetable side, a little bit leafy. Um, the main thing that I had an uh, issue with with this beer was the fermentation character. Your classic lager fermentation turn, should turn out in the finished product next to no flavors at all. So no esters, no sulfurs, uh, lots, lots of sulfur while it's fermenting probably, but none in, or low to none in the finished product. And no acetaldehyde or diacetyl or DMS or anything like that. This beer to me had a, f- a fair amount of acetaldehyde and a noticeable amount of esters, which suggests to me a fast ferment or a hot ferment. Um, it also seemed a little bit sweet, although it was more so in the first bottle than the second, um, which made me wonder if it's a little bit under fermented. Um, we can go into some troubleshooting tips after, well, um, after Brian, but maybe a little bit on the the acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde is um, it's a fermentation intermediate product that's produced by the yeast. They basically crank a lot of that out while they're fermenting, but since it's an intermediate in their metabolic cycle, they usually soak it right back up, and it shouldn't be there in the present in the finished beer. Um, it does tend to come out if you uh, settle out the yeast too fast or if the ferment gets stopped before it's quite done and before the yeast has a chance to absorb that stuff again. So, What's the flavor of that? Green apple. Green apple. Yeah, it's a green apple flavor. Um, it's, it's usually pretty, pretty. no, it's green apple flavor, varying intensity depending on the beer. I can get it in the um, nose a little bit. Would it be in the nose? Uh, I don't know if I can yes. necessarily. You get it both. Yeah. Okay. You get it both. It's in both. Um, there's a bit of a yeasty bite in this, too, but, mm. no, it's not quite clear, so there might be a little yeast in suspension, too. Um, in general, I give it good marks for the recipe, but the fermentation didn't really seem to work too well this in this beer. So I actually ended up scoring this about a 22. Where, where are you at, Brian? Um, you know, I got a lot of the same things you did, but I do also think we're, we're seeing some bottle-to-bottle variation. The second yeah. bottle, it's a lot it's a lot clearer than the first one, for one thing, to look at it. <clears throat> And, yeah, some of the flavors are coming across a little differently. I, I like the second glass of it a little bit better. Hmm. Um, yeah, but in the aroma, uh, kind of a, a, a graham crackery malt and uh, a touch of acetaldehyde in there, uh, just enough to, to distract. Um, you know, think of, like, uh, you know, the, the green apple Jolly Ranchers, um, but it's not that intense. You know, like, um, the hops are kind of low and spicy, floral. Esters are... are to me, we're, I didn't get a lot of um, big esters in this. I thought they were fairly low and 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 somewhat in check, but um, I don't know. It, the first sample was also a little colder, and it, it came across a little, um, a little more um, harsh in a way. Like it was just uh, the flavor was a little more biting, and it's actually a little smoother as it's warming up here. But um, it did have a touch in the aroma of kind of a vinous kind of a aroma, um, which could be indication of a little oxidation not too bad but um just a touch perhaps um colors medium amber fairly clear it's about right on the color and uh has a uh, a low white um head faded fairly quickly but um and the first sample had a little kind of muddling haze but the the sample is a little better a little more clear so um and the malt character character in this is pretty bold and a bit kind of biting kind of a, like a lightly burnt toast uh, hint of that, um, and I thought the bitterness was was kind of towards medium. It was it was a bit too high for the style, perhaps on the bitterness, and um, there was there was like we got in it too a little bit, 
something a little funky in the hops there. Um, hmm. Finish is pretty dry. Only a touch of acetaldehyde in the flavor. Um, but a little bit of papery oxidation kind of indications. and uh, But definitely the balance was to the malt as it should be. Um, to me, it seemed like an, an okay lager profile. Um, I know how hard they are to make. <laughs> um, and um, sometimes you might get a little bit of fruitiness if you start, you know, if you're having trouble, you know, you getting it down to the temperature you need to from, you know, whatever your wort chiller gets it down to, or I don't know what, what system you have, but if I'm usually trying to chill it down with the wort chiller as far as I can get it and then go down to, you know, 50 degrees from that. And sometimes it takes a while and you just need to pitch your yeast and get it going so you can have a little fermentation that happens at that higher temperature. So um, get a little fruitiness from that sometimes. But um, kind of medium-bodied in the in the mouthfeel, no, uh, no real warmth, uh, carbonation medium, not really creamy. Um, it had a little bit of astringency in it, a little biting uh, presentation in the mouthfeel, but uh, perhaps from the malts and, and maybe uh, high temperature or... Um, too high of pH sparging. Um, but yeah, overall, a decent attempt at the Vienna Lager style, uh, but it, it could be made to be excellent with a few fixes. Um, you know, Like Lee said, leaving it on the yeast a little longer is going to reabsorb some of that acid aldehyde that's produced early in the fermentation uh, in the primary. Um, and uh, you can also make sure that you oxygenate the wort fully with lagers. It's, you know, it's really important to give it a big, healthy dose of yeast. Um, you want to pitch enough to, to make sure it gets happy and does what it needs to at the temperature you're, you're brewing this at. Um, you can also let the beer age a little longer. Uh, so, um, oxidation, I find with lagers too, it's, it, it can be easier to get a little oxidation in there. And if you're, um, transferring the beer while it's cold after the, the primary fermentation, or if you've crashed it to, you know, 32 degrees or whatever, um, you have to be really careful about transferring into the keg or into bottles or whatever you're transferring it into because um, gases are more easily dissolved into a cold liquid than a warm one. So with ales, they're a little more forgiving because um, you're transferring it a little warmer usually into the keg or whatever. But um, you know, other than that, like, it's like Lee, I agree. It seems like you use some real good authentic ingredients here and good base of recipe. So just, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it is... The goal was for us to say it's a drinkable beer. It is a, it is a good drinkable beer. I gave it a 24. Um, it's not a perfect example of style, but it, again, it could be um, brought brought closer there. And if you've only been brewing on your own for nine months, you got plenty of time to uh, dig into the, the practices and, and uh, keep learning. So thanks for sharing the beer. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, uh, when I did my fermentation... I only could get the temperature down to like 60, and then I let it cool overnight. Yeah. And then I put my liquid yeast in when it was down to like 46. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out, uh, is that too long to let, it, let the yeast, uh, not getting the yeast in the wort? The problem you'd expect there, if it was going to be a problem, was you might get some contaminating bugs in there that would take over and make the beer sour, funky, or nasty. That did not happen. So you didn't have a problem there. Right. Um, how much yeast did you pitch? I pitched uh, two vials of uh, the white yeast, southern German lager yeast. And how big with, a batch? With uh, a yeast starter. With a starter. So it was you... a five-gallon batch. Okay, so two what vials did... into a starter? Yep. Okay, so that should be plenty of yeast should, then. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, how did you... Well, go on. How, how did you do the ferment after that? Then I... Um, the fer- I did... I'll admit, probably what happened is I sped up the ferment too much. But um, I, I let it uh, ferment rise to 50 for two, three, four days in there, let it ferment, and when it started getting slower, I'd crank the temperature up a couple degrees. One, uh, either a day or two later, just to try to get it to ferment more. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the first week, it looked like it was pretty, it was pretty much done, but I still raised it up to about 58. Try to make sure I don't get any uh, buttery flavors, and and then after the second week, I uh, I racked it and put it in a keg, and then crashed it. Hmm. So th- I, what I would say is the first part of your ferment, you probably hit the right steps. The temperature rise from forty six to fifty or fifty four. You said in the first or, few to days 50. to fifty. Might be a little fast. You might want to keep a little cooler than that. But honestly, I'm not sure that would be a huge problem. But if you're going to start at 46, you might want to keep it in the you know 46 to 48 range for a few days before you let it start going up. What's uh, what's going to happen? How would well, you be able to so, tell if that's what so? You did? Most of the so during the early part of the ferment is where the yeast start making most of the esters. Okay. So if you want to not have esters, you want to keep them cool in the early, very early stage. I mean, honestly, from what I understand, it's probably the first couple days of the ferment, maybe even less. Okay. Basically, that the esters come out very quickly. <clears throat> and yeah, also they could kick and, out a little more acetaldehyde and and uh, diacetyl early in the. Yeah. fermentation. We're not getting diacetyl, but yeah, yeah. the acetaldehyde that's stuck, stuck around. Yeah, so that might help control the esters. If you're going to start cool, keep it a little cooler for a while. And, you know, some good review of the, like, Noonan's book on lagers, um, or even read over the the little blurb on uh, lager fermenting that Jamil has in his book on classic styles would be a good one to look at there. Um, but in general, letting the temperature rise a bit is a good idea. Maybe that was a little too fast, but it's hard to say. Um Bumping it up towards the end is a good idea because that's when you're really encouraging the yeast to reabsorb all the any diacetyl and acetaldehyde that's there. So this is, I think, where the key to your beer is. Since we're getting dias, sorry, getting acetaldehyde, probably something didn't work properly at that stage. Mm. You know, you warmed it up, but the acetaldehyde's still there, which means either you produce way too much early on, which you know maybe like the temperature rise a bit quickly might have done, or you didn't let it sit long enough on the yeast in the sort of the late stage of the ferment. Usually for a lager, I'd let them sit two, at least two weeks on the primary ferment before even thinking about racking or transferring. Mm-hmm. So okay. if, you, if you try that one again, and by the way, kudos to you for having the ability to do the temperature control here. You need that to do this lager. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, but maybe give it another week, sort of, no, ramp it a little more slowly, and then give it another week at the end to help reabsorb all that stuff. Patience, young um, Yeah, patience, exactly. It takes some time to do these. And then after that, um, generally you don't do a crash cool for a lager. I think the, the classic uh, formula is to drop the temperature you know, after you've, you've decided that your acetaldehyde rest is over, diacetyl rest is over. You drop the temperature a degree or two Fahrenheit a day till you get down into the 40s or 50s, depending what your philosophy is on lagering. And then you want to get off the yeast, and then you're going to store it, if you do the classic lager, 
probably between 40 and 50 degrees. The lower, the better. Actually, even in the 30s, if you want. Um, the general formula that's for every 4 degrees Play-Doh, I think it's 4 degrees Play-Doh, you give it a week. So 1040 beer oh. should be like 10 weeks of lagering. Wow. If you want to do the classic old-school Bavarian method, that's what it is. The tried and true, huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that will help smooth that. out all those flavors. I think I got, is it, is it, it's, it's a week for every 10 degrees, right? Or a week per, per Play-Doh, basically. That's, <clears throat> maybe that's what I've been doing wrong. No. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know that yeah. either, actually. I mean, that's, so, I mean, for something like a I mean, Doppelbach, it's why it takes, you know, like for, six to nine months beer, to really lager out and finish properly. Hmm. Yeah. Um, we so have this you, recipe if you want to, if yeah. you want to know that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you give it that kind of time, it might smooth out some of these flavors, too. And this beer could still smooth out a bit if, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in the fridge and lager it. And I, I would score the second the second sample of it a little higher too. I would say it, it's it's probably more of a twenty nine in the second sample. But yeah, wow, that's big of a difference. Yeah, it's, I, I, I'd second that actually. There seems to be some definite bottle to bottle variation here. How did you bottle these? It was a Blinkman uh, beer gun. It was the first time I've actually used it myself. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I had several test bottles and I tried tried one and. Carbonation to my entry, I look pretty good, especially since it was the first time that I've used it. To, used it with my beer because I like kegs a lot better in bottling. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, no <laughs> argument there. Um, were you getting near any sediment in the bottom when you were finishing off that bottling run? Uh, no, but I filtered the beer before I did it. Ah, okay. Hmm, interesting. Uh, do you have any questions for the guys, Glenn? Um, let's see. I guess I'm I'm using like a beer gun or something with the bottling. I can understand the inconsistencies with like fill level and maybe a little bit of carbonation, but I'm trying to figure out why there was such a big difference between one bottle to the other, especially with a beer with a beer gun. Bottling is just, in my my experience, bottling is like that. I mean, the beer gun's a good tool, but it takes some practice to get the technique right where you can get good bottle-to-bottle consistency and get mm. the carbonation right, You know how well you keep it sealed. You really want to chill that beer down. It helps to chill the bottles before you bottle, too. I actually put mine in the freezer before I bottle them and pull them out. Yep. Just because keeping it all cold helps keep the carbonation from jumping out. So if you had bottles at different temperature, the warmer ones might uh, now become a little flatter. Mm. Yeah, um, you can shoot uh, CO2 into the bottles, too, before you fill them. And also, if you're moving your keg around when you're going to set up for it, you can stir up what little yeast might be in the bottom there, too, and the first bottle might have a little more haze right. or something than the other. Right. I did have the bottles in the freezer beforehand. Wow. Uh, so look, you know a lot of the good tricks here, man. Yeah. You're, you're ahead of where I was. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're the you're Brewing doing, Network. Yeah, there you right. go. There you go. Look at that. Some good schooling. Yeah, you're doing all the right things. It's probably, you know, if you've been at it nine months, it's it's probably just, you know, I mean, for bottling, it's probably literally just getting the, the finger, the hand technique down. Yeah. You know, just getting the feel for it. It takes you a know, lot. Trying different things. I mean, I was, you know, I've been bottling out of kegs for a long time, and I was just trying to do a triple a few weeks ago. Oh, man, it took me about a dozen bottles just to get to the point where I was happy with what was coming out. <laughs> then I could fill a few for competition. And before that, you know, it's like well, I got all these sort of half-flat bottles of triple to drink. <laughs> yeah. Then you ran out of the bottles. You know. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I, I would say you're on the right track here. I, I think you got a, a few tricks to learn about getting the lager ferments to work out properly. And mostly it's about time and patience. 
and you know, just have to learn a little bit about how your your beer gun works. And I, I think you'll be on the road to having a nice beer. Yeah, I don't. I, I personally didn't even try making a lager until after brewing for five or six years. So yeah, no kidding. Just listening to the brewing network here, and then and learn how to make a lager like this, and in uh, you know nine months, hey, you're doing something right. Yeah, you're picking a tough thing to do quickly. Well, thank you. Um, I do have one more question, if I may ask. Absolutely. Um, water. Now, I admit I don't have my water uh, report in front of me or anything like this, but I've used one of those precision hardness test strips where you can test how hard your water is. Mm-hmm. Or if those first any good... And secondly, when I do the test on the water that I use, it's very hard. It's uh, 500, according to the strip, 500, uh, I'm going to butcher this, convertration PPM. Yeah. A calcium? Calcium carbonate. Ooh. I'm going to assume it's that much is in there because it we have hard water in this area i know the strips aren't they're not super accurate they're supposed to give you a range just a general a general range but uh yeah most of the strip things i mean i'm not really familiar to be honest with uh, the hardness ones i know the ph ones are good within you know a range Mm -hmm. i don't think anything that's a test on a a strip of paper like that's going to be terribly accurate right you can also Um, send your water off to like ward labs if you're serious about it and you know, have it tested for not too much money. They they do that all the time, or, or other water testing places. Yeah, but then you need to know about your local local water supply a bit too. I mean, do they switch reservoirs on you halfway through the year, and you get a different water? Uh, Around no. here, the water is a lot harder in this. You know, in the summer, they're using more groundwater, and it's it, it's crazy. Like where I live, anyway. But yeah, so go ahead. Sorry. That's fine. So, yeah, I mean, um, I would go with whatever your local water report says is probably the, the easiest thing to do, and it's probably going to be pretty accurate. But, yeah, um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're concerned about the hardness, too, you can blend in some uh, some RO or distilled water with your water. I mean, you, you, your water is going to have, like, micronutrients and things in it that you, you can't just brew with distilled water and have it come out right. You need, you know, you need a certain amount of hardness in there. You need some calcium content, and you can build the water up from RO, but... Uh, and a lot of people do that uh, pretty well, but I think still you're missing some of the micronutrients. And I think blending with RO to get down below a certain level on the main things, and then building the rest back up to where you want it to be. But you know that's that's way ahead of <laughs> you know, right. Yeah, <laughs> playing with water is is one of the last things you might do after you've learned all the techniques and learned all, all the lagering and everything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and get your get your water tested. It sounds like Glenn. Yep. Uh, I will do that. I mean, my my mash pH is usually between five two and five six, so I don't think it's the biggest concern right now. But that's something to fine tune later on when I get better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it again, Glenn. It was very good beers, and I appreciate you sending them. I appreciate you having me on the sh- on the show, Justin. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, keep up the good work. And Bye. All right. That's all right, man. Don't worry about it. You appreciate it. That's fine. Yeah. All right, Glenn. Take it easy, man. Nice guy. He's doing a lot of stuff already, man. He's kind of with it, right? Yeah. He's, yeah. He's got the bug, I think. No, I, I believe me. It was years before I tried fermenting a lager. It's like I just read yeah. about what was involved. It's like, nah, 
No, I'm not, not even trying to do that. it. I just go buy that if I need that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's take a break and then when we come back. We'll do our little. Uh, no, we're not doing our recap. We have another brew. We have another brew. Yeah. We have Caleb in the studio. Which thank God, finally, there's someone in the studio that I don't have to call on the phone or mess with Skype or whatever. Caleb, Telepathy. maybe you can go down the street and stand on the corner and then call in just for fun. Skype be, in from your cell phone. It'll be fun. <laughs> Uh, we'll see you guys on the other side of this break. Hang on a sec. It's Dr. Homebrew. Where did you go for all the stuff you need to brew? Homebrewstuff.com, of course. In their Boise, Idaho storefront and warehouse, they have more than 750 craft beers and 8,000 square feet of homebrew products in stock. The staff at Homebrew Stuff are homebrewers themselves. They try out just about everything, including the beer, so they can answer your questions knowledgeably and correctly about brewing, kegging, and anything else you might need to ask. Don't live near the Homebrew Stuff store? Visit homebrewstuff.com online and take advantage of their $7.95 domestic shipping available on most orders. Homebrewstuff.com is a proud sponsor of the AHA, NHC, GABF, and countless other acronyms. So if you're a homebrewer looking for great people, a great selection, and great deals, head to homebrewstuff.com online or in person. Visit their YouTube channel for loads of free how-to and product videos. All of the stuff you need to brew. Homebrewstuff.com Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, write-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog Tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize. Customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Oh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some Grog Tags, dude. Grog Tag. At least your beer will look good. GrogTag.com. Now, back to the examination. All right, thanks for sticking with us. It is Dr. Homebrew, the best radio show ever on the Brewing Network, aside from Lunch Meat. Uh, Dr. Homebrew really is going to be the, the show that carries the network into the future. Let me tell you, this is the future of internet podcasting radio that is recorded previously and then played live uh, to you in your ear whenever you want it. They should come up with a shorter word future. for that. Yeah. It's the future. Do we need to get away from our past? The future is now. I just want to tell you guys all no, that. The future is right now. The present, actually, but okay. Well, but, you know, you got to get meta on it. Meta? Yeah. Well, now that moment was the past. See? Yeah. Now you're catching on. Time is relative. Right. <laughs> so what's next? What's next? We the have future. Ca- we have Caleb in the studio. Yay. Caleb, are you on the... Don't forget to turn on his mic. Yeah. Hello. All right, there we go. We got you. Hey, this is the only manual one that's on there. So it's funny, Doc. He's hit, so Caleb's sitting in Doc's spot in the corner there, and uh, Doc still forgets to turn his mic on. 
<laughs> Every show. Every show. I'm kidding. Caleb, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Good to meet yeah. you. Thanks for coming in and uh, farting around with us tonight. Thanks for having me. So what beer did you bring in? I brought a premium American lager. Premium American lager. Now, the guys were trying to tell me what a premium American lager is, but I wasn't listening. What is a premium American lager? It is uh, Category 1C, um, just above uh, light and standard lagers. Um, I think when you compare compare it to light and standard, it has less adjunct, um, up to about 25% corn versus 40% in, in 1A and 1B. Okay. Um, a little more flavor, um, but still a crisp beer, um, well-balanced beer, refreshing beer, a little bit of carbonic bite. Okay. At least that's what it should be. That's what it should be. Well, we're about to find out if it does. Brian. Carbonic Bite. Carbonic Bite. Sounds like a band name. (laughs) This is Carbonic Bite! It does have Carbonic Bite. It's about vampires Um, on batteries. (laughs) Yeah, this one has a a nice, uh, pleasant, grainy malt nose and um, just smells like a good lawnmower beer. You can, can, I mean, even though it's, you know, um, 1030 at night here... I want to go out and mow my lawn right now. You can mow. Lawn, you can mow mine. <laughs> okay, it'll save me thirty bucks. Um, hops are not, you know, kind of a uh, little spicy in the aroma and kind of medium intensity. They're almost overpowering that delicate malt, but um, it's a very cleanly brewed uh, lager profile. No esters, no diacetyl. There's a, a tiny hint of uh, uh, DMS or dimethyl sulfide, which is a kind of a cooked corn like aroma, which is appropriate in the style at low levels. And it's just just the right amount of that. Um, Appearance-wise, it's a very pale straw color with a low white head. And uh, it fades after a short while. And you can forgive that in in a beer like this because they they do tend to do that. Uh, They're they're pretty light. It's it's quite clear. There's, I mean, if you put your finger on the other side, you can only see just a tiny hint of any haze, which is um, with a beer this, you know, this light, when it looks this clear, I'm happy. That's good. Um, flavor-wise, just very crisp presentation, a nice uh, light malt presentation, um, and uh, very very cleanly brewed lager fermentation. Nice, um, nice job there. Um, the hop bitterness is kind of medium. It's it's on the high end um, for the malt that's there. So like the balance of it that way is a little bit towards the uh, the hop bitterness and the hop flavor which I find to be interesting and cool, and it works for this beer, but um, it's definitely pushing that envelope a little bit. Um, hop flavor is, is, it's got some different elements in it. It's got a little spicy florally kind of thing that you would expect from what you would want, a, like a blend of noble hops like the, the uh, and other hops, whatever they use in their, their crazy hop blend extracts and what they do in the, the big, big breweries. Um this one has a kind of a light uh, citrusy element, like a light lemon in there, but it wasn't offensive to me. It just kind of blended with the other elements in there. I get that, yeah. Pleasant. Um, and it has a nice dry finish. Low malt overall, so it's it's definitely a little more hot balanced than some of these are, but um, I found it, the flavor was really, really nice and pleasant. Um, medium light to light body kind of... Uh, you know, it does have that, that big carbonic bite, which is the defining part of the mouthfeel for this beer. Uh, not very creamy. You wouldn't really expect it to be anyway. No alcohol warmth. You wouldn't expect that. No astringency. Um, just overall light in the in the impression in the in the mouth. The way it feels in the mouth. 
So, you know, I thought it was a very nice example of the um, premium American lager style. Um, perhaps even just a touch light on the malt. You could you could either bump that up a touch or you could pull back the bitterness just a touch. I mean, I'm talking about little minor tiny adjustments in this. Um, bump up the um, the malt ever so slightly, if at all. But because uh, it's so, it's kind of a cool looking beer because it's so, so light straw. It's just like it almost looks like water. <laughs> Uh, but you know, there's just yeah, it's it's just a real, real delicate color, which is cool and, and hard to get in a homebrew, you know. And that's what you want, right? That's, yeah, that's, that's the style. It's, yeah, it's, it's very it, light. It can it can go a little darker than this. It can go into the yellow, but uh, you know, this is perfectly acceptable, and it's on the lighter side of color for the style and and uh, malt intensity for the style. But yeah, really good beer, and I'm, I'm interested to hear what hops are used in this. Um, I got the recipe. We can, yeah, we can get to that after Lee comments on it. But um, yeah, there's there's so little to hide behind in a beer like this. I know how hard these are to make, so I have to say, you know, bravo, good, nice job. I I gave it a thirty nine. All right, yeah, it is really hard to 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 get this light, clear color in a homebrew. Yeah, yeah, and Brian's right. There's there's so little in these beers. It, it's like naked beer. There's nothing. There's nowhere to hide. <laughs> any any minor little flaw, and it'll show up. Is no hiding things, um, but um, so what do we get here? Um, light pills malt, bit of a bready crackery flavor, low hop note, herbal, a bit leafy and spicy, like you want in a noble noble hop. Clean ferment, no diacetyl or DMS, no esters. Although I begin to think towards the end of the taste when we were judging, maybe I was getting just a whisper of DMS. I wasn't really even sure. Hmm. It'd be threshold at tops. Bit of a leafy green character to the hop notes, which I thought was a little odd. It should be just a nice, clean, spicy, noble hop, but it wasn't a big dominant sort of thing either. It was one of those, you know, things would probably be sub-threshold in most other beers. Um, Parents is pale yellow. It's almost brilliant, just a slight bit of haze. I can pretty much see my fingerprints through the glass, which is generally a pretty good sign of clarity. Um, pours a nice fine foam. Uh, doesn't last very long, but you don't really expect that for this style of beer. Um, it, it actually, the first pour downstairs, it persisted pretty well. Um, here it's not. Maybe it's it's not the first use of this glass, so that happens. Um, flavor, crisp light pills malt again. Hop notes up front. Uh, fades to a slightly sweet finish with low lingering hop flavor. Spicy herbal kind of flavor. No overt fruitiness. Balance is about evening. It's a clean ferment. Very, very refreshing, crisp beer. A um, little bit of that green leafiness is coming out here to me again. Body, medium-low. CO2, medium to medium-high. It's not really, to my taste, tingling or carbonic, but it's actually a really nice balance uh, with a carbonation. Um, I don't really like the ones that are really just in-your-face gassy. Um, it's not astringent or hot. Uh, a little bit of low creaminess is nice. I picked up a little bit of a lingering mineral or chalky note, which I thought was a little odd for the style. Um, although there's some other possibilities for that, too. I'm not sure if it's mineral. Given the slight haze, I'm almost wondering now if it might be just a little bit of residual yeast in the beer, too, doing sort of a, a sulfury, yeasty character mm. to it. It's very light, but I am picking this up. All in all, I thought it was a really nice example of the style. It's crisp. It's refreshing. It's clean. Um, the flavors are nicely balanced. It's very well balanced. Um, the ferment is good. Um, really, the only things are some, I think, a few minor adjustments would help this. Um, if there's minerals, 
or you're not doing some distilled water on this, um, maybe throttle add some. Um, if you did the mineral adjustment and the slight haze is really what's going on, then maybe it needs a, another shot of lagering or through a filter to get rid of the last bit of yeast. I'm not sure. Um, but it's a pretty minor thing. It doesn't show up that strongly. The little bit of hoppy leafiness, uh, sort of a green vegetable flavor, you know, like you just get from the, the green matter of the plant. It's a low-level thing. Um, but it's it's I did pick it up, and it's a little out of place. To fix it, I mean, usually that's the sort of thing I look at in a pale ale or an IPA. It's things like you let it sit in the hops too long, but I doubt you dry hop this beer. That would be totally out of style. It doesn't taste like it. So I mean, it, it'd be a little hard to fix it. I mean, really the easiest way to do that is change the hop variety or reduce the time you're sitting on the hops. But since you're not dry hopping, that doesn't apply. The only thing I could other throw out there otherwise is that the the pros who make this to sell in wide commercial distribution are probably using mostly hop extract products and aren't getting a green vegetal bit anywhere nearby. Um, that's you probably could do that as a home brewery, getting sure, you know, absolutely alphas and extracts, no yeah. oils. So that might be worth a try if you really want to go for go for broke on one of these beers. Um, other than that. The, oh, the only other thing that came to mind about that is if when you're racking from the kettle into the fermenter is maybe do either a settling step and a second rack or a little filtration or something to get rid of any hot particulates that are in the boil so they don't live in the fermenter while the ferment's going on. Those are all minor things, though. Um, I don't think I'd notice them in a beer that had a whole lot more you know, malt or hot flavor in it. I don't know. I thought this was really good. It was crisp. It was light. It was well-balanced. I could chug down buckets of this. I gave it a 41. I thought it was an excellent beer. It's a good job. All right. What do you think about that, Caleb? Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess a couple of things I can comment on. So the, the, the hops, it was crystal, oh, yeah. crystal hops. Crystal hops. Um, and I know the primary descriptors of that is it's spicy and floral, so maybe the kind of the floral character mm. is contributing to the leafiness, if, if it was the hops, if it wasn't something else. Why did you go with those? That's what I had. Yeah? That's <laughs> one of those, huh? That's... Probably that was the major American hop for many decades. You know, definitely before the craft craft beer boom. I mean, before Cascade, which is like our first craft beer oriented right. hop. Yeah. Crystal was the crop in this country, pretty much. So um, it, that's it, what all these guys use. All the big breweries used. So it's 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 the style then. Yeah, say. yeah. yeah. It is, it is the hop you'd use if you're making the classic American pills, and it is right. a noble hop derivative, if not quite noble itself. But okay. you know, it, it gets pretty much the right sort of flavors. And in terms of the malt, um, it is on the lower end of the gravity. I mean, it's, I think mm-hmm. it starts at ten forty six, and this is this is at that. I think it's about ten forty six. So, um, I, I think that's more a, a product of um, judging so many loggers that are too strong in certain mm-hmm. flavors and wanting to go to the extreme to keep things very clean, crisp, and light. But cer- certainly could be higher up in, in the malt character. But I think even even though you you have a light lighter base malt, there is a lot of flavor in this. There's a lot of yeast profile, right? Or you know, there's a that kind of hop flavor going on. There's there's a yeah. the clean crisp. It's got some 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 it, it, flavors in it that keep it interesting despite yeah. the lightness. So like there's right. that you know the, the hop flavor in it. I found to be pleasant, and it wasn't wasn't what I would expect if I was drinking a, a, a mass produced beer, but. It was interesting, and it still fit within the style, so I really liked that. Yeah, it was almost more, really, it's kind of more interesting than most mass-produced beers. It was detectable, a little less, no, just sort of bland. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go through the recipe. 
uh, for five gallons, a 90-minute boil, a 47% premium two-row malt, premium two-row. Not None of that, uh, you know, half two-row or that shady two-row nonsense. This is premium all the way. Uh, 24% flaked corn, 23% six-row, and 4% rice hulls. I assume to kind of help with that co- that sparge uh, with the corn, right? Yep. Yeah. Did yep. you have any problems with that? I've never had problems. In yeah. fact, I've I've not put in rice hulls and not ha- and never had problems as well with corn and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Have you done this recipe before? No, okay. not the first time. All right. Uh, yeah, and then for sixty minute boil, uh, one point five two ounces of crystal at three point six alpha. Um, yeah, that's it. Pretty straightforward. And again, you can find that on Brew Toad. Uh, you can look up Caleb. Or a premium American lager. Um, ideally, it'll be under the Dr. Homebrew uh, webpage. Did, did we ask Caleb how long he's been brewing? I mean, I, I don't think we did. I think if we he tells me he's right been brewing it. for two months or yeah. something, I'll be <laughs> right. irritated. Yeah, he brewed this beer last week. Right. He was, that's, why he, that's why he was on right now, is because he was just finishing up. He's just bottling right now. Right. Uh, yeah, how long have you been brewing? Uh, uh, you know, I, I lived in Berkeley 10 years ago, and I walked into a little homebrew shop called Oak Barrel. Mm-hmm. And spoke to yeah. two great guys there, Homer and Bernie, yeah. and bought a uh, kit and started brewing 10 years ago. And ever since then, I've been brewing pretty consistently. Do you do a lot of lagers? Only in the last three years. Yeah. So cool. It's fairly recent. That's very cool. good. Seem to have the knack for it. Yeah. Works <laughs> yeah. out for sure. Yeah, this is excellent. Do you have any questions for the guys on, on anything? Or uh, you know, the, the the other thing that was in the recipe, I I don't know if it got into the database, but just to mention, there I did add calcium carbonate, uh, half, half uh, a teaspoon. Okay. Um, okay. You know, the one thing I was surprised by um, uh, was, um, and this this is a good question. Um, so it, it I mashed pretty high at one fifty four, mm-hmm. um, and I used San Francisco lager yeast, um, and I. The attenuation on that is sixty-five to seventy percent, but I actually got a close to eighty percent attenuation here, which I was surprised by. Um, and I, it was I was within all parameters of the fermentation in terms of temperature, so it wasn't fermenting high. Um, again, I, I mashed pretty high, so I was just surprised. Any any other thoughts on on why that level of attenuation happened with with a with a yeast strain that wasn't rated that high? Yeah, it did come across pretty dry, and also with the light gravity, it almost came across like a like a light American lager in the mouthfeel kind of thing, and just just very light presentation overall. Um, I mean, sometimes you can do the same exact thing twice, and it comes it ferments down a little lower, uh, and then the second time it'll you know ferment a little higher. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure about that. I could. Take a wild guess that uh, the non-barley-based grains you put in there maybe ferment out a little lower. Mm. Okay. Um, especially, you had, how much corn was it? 25%. 25%. Yeah, I, I would kind of guess that there's a lot less um, a lot less higher sugars left behind in that, a lot less indigestible goodies in corn when you mash it than there is in, in barley. But mm. I would need to go and look that up to be sure, but. Okay. Corn just doesn't seem to me to have a whole lot of stuff behind it once you get away from the husk on mm-hmm. it. At least that's what it seems like every time when I eat it off the cob. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just pretty sweet and gushy inside, and it's all gone quick. Right. Um, yeah, and as to that yeast, um, you did a pretty good job getting this clean of beer out of it. Usually it pumps out a fair amount of sulfur. Um, but the carbonate that you added might be given that sort of minerally note that I was talking yeah. about. I, I think that... 
that might be that might bear a little revisiting. But it depends what the, the water um, is, is like. Where you got? Yeah, you're you're using calcium to you know because you with with um, all the light malts in this, you want to you know make sure you have enough calcium in your mash to get the pH where you want it to be. Um, you could experiment with using calcium chloride the next time instead of the calcium carbonate and see what that does. Uh, hmm. Sometimes that gives a little, um, little kind of sweeter impression in the beer, so it'll change it. It might, it might not be as dry and crisp as this, or you could, you could blend the two and see what happens. Um, play around with that a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go real subtle with the water adjustments, and even you know blend back a little farther with RO or, or distilled water if you want to just get a, a more neutral water character in that. Uh, but yeah, play with that a little bit if you want. But what you did worked nicely, and it's nice and crisp, and I like it that way for this beer. So, yeah, it, it brings up another interesting point. I mean, I, I have never researched in particular what the big breweries do to make these beers, but there, it's not like there's, as far as I know, some sort of you know endogenous water profile for this beer like there is for say a Vienna Lager or an Irish Stout or anything like that. You know, it wasn't made in an area that had a particular water profile, and these days. I'm sure they're all using industrial water, filtered, RO, distilled, whatever, right. clean to within an inch of its life, <laughs> and adding back just enough mineral to make the ferment work and the mashes work properly. Um, certainly, it's not like there's a lot of notable mineral quality to any of these beers. Um, so you probably ought to think about it in terms of getting as low mineral content of water source as you can and then just doctoring it back to where it will have the... Uh, no, the correct minerals for pH and for health. And actually, you can probably even use acids to do pH adjustments on something like that if you need to. Like a little phosphoric acid would probably be the classic thing. <laughs> I don't know how you'd adjust the pH the other way. I don't think I want to get into like throwing sodium hydroxide into your mash. But, <laughs> you know, um, that sort of approach might work. I mean, we got pretty low mineral water around here, uh, but you might need to get a little lower still for this. What did you do for the water besides the calcium uh, carbonate uh, you threw in? That's it. Just just into uh, local Oakland water, Berkeley yep. water. Yep. Okay, yeah. carbon filter, I imagine, or just straight nope. out of the tap. Really, straight out of the tap. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you add any uh, uh, sulfites or anything to get rid of the chlorine? Nope. Ah, that would be a good idea too. Although you seem to have done, a, doesn't seem to be too apparent. But I've <laughs> seen that you know a lot of people brew cultures around here without doing that. Okay. Often I'll get a little chlorophenol. Hmm. All right. Uh, there actually is a question from the chat. From Koala Sprint uh, for you, Caleb. And he goes, uh, why did he choose to brew an American light lager when so many are available? Was it just for the challenge or personal preference for the style? Uh, it certainly wasn't the latter. I mean, I've, I've never brewed a <laughs> light lager. This is the first time. Um, you, you know, I have, I have four beers on tap, and I was going to bring something in for the show, and what better than to put in front of two masters than a than a light logger and have them talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> right. You yeah. Could, you could throw the same question back, like, why would anyone brew an IPA when there's so many available? You know, I've asked that question. Try. I need an answer to that question. Is that where that but, bruise came from? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. You know, I, it it might not be your your personal favorite style, but to to take on the challenge of brewing this beer and to brew it well is uh, a, you know a pretty good feat. So. Well, that's how you become a better brewer, you know, yeah. understanding no. everything. Yeah, exactly. That is a challenge. Anyone who thinks they're a good brewer out there should try and make one of these and see how well they do. Right. If you can do as well as he did, you're doing a good job. I agree. This is, this is tough to make. There is nowhere to hide any flaws whatsoever. Period. End of story. All done. <laughs> well, Caleb, thanks for coming in, man. I think it was a really good beer. Thank you. That was Thank awesome you. to try. 
And uh, if you guys want his uh, his recipe, head on over to Brew Toad. It's all over there. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to do our little wrap-up, uh, explain what beers we've tasted and what could be done to improve them, what we liked about them, what we didn't like about them, blah, blah, blah. And then we're going to go home uh, to our separate homes and um, call each other on Skype. I'm coming to mow, remember? Talk about the show. You're going to mow my lawn tomorrow, and you can do that tomorrow. I'll let you get a good night's sleep. Uh, it's Dr. Home, everybody. Stay tuned. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The Internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states. Plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber special secret elite bare bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Hey, Wooly, I'm beat. Can we find a nice tree to just hang out in for a while? You're beat? I've been swinging through this forest for 50 years, ever since we... Ever since we first escaped from the circus. I know, I know, but there's got to be more to life than exploring this creek and trying to populate the valley by copulating with loose, hairy girls. Mark, we stop. Look! What is that? It looks like a man-made treehouse. With fresh food. And craft beer. Welcome to the Creek Monkey Tap House, boys. Grab a seat. Creek Monkeys drink free. <laughs> awesome! The Creek Monkey Tap House in Martinez, California, takes their mission of fresh food and beer seriously. They only serve locally raised beef and chicken, as well as local sustainable produce. It's better for you and the planet, and it just tastes better. The beer and wine at Creek Monkey Tap House are chosen with the same care for the highest quality and Rotate frequently to make each visit an adventure. Swing on into the Creek Monkey Tap House and enjoy a new legend of amazing food, beer, and wine. The Creek Monkey Tap House, online at creekmonkey.com. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely said. Thank well you. done. 
Hey, by the way, why do they keep moving my tea time? I don't even play golf. <laughs> well, that's probably why. I'm trying to push you on that course. No, it's your tea time, Lee. <laughs> yeah, with, right. with Grandma Brian over bring there. Bring on the scones. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Uh, welcome back to Dr. Homebrew, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. As if you had a choice. I mean, what else are you going to do on a Thursday at whatever time you're listening to this? Now, it's always weird to talk to, to people because there's people who listen live, right, to these shows. And then most people um, download them as podcasts. So it's like, what are you, what are you doing while, you, while, you're, while you're listening to the show? Are you, are you driving? Are you babysitting? Are you assembling small parts uh, for an iPhone in China? We want to know. We sh- there should be a page for people that they can write what they were doing when they listen to the show. There should be. Well, in the comments, you can, mm. uh, you the know. chat room. The comments in the chat. Yes, you can do that. Don't what chat and drive, doing? please. Right. Drinking beer and scratching my belly. <laughs> I mean, that, you'll be a bunch of that. I kind of want that. You know what? I kind of want to do something like that, like uh, a photo gallery of what do you do when you're listening to the shows. It's just going to be a web of traffic in front of the of a dirty windshield probably is most most of what people do here but i mean are you are you prepping for surgery are you are you delivering a baby are you taking the garbage out right now if so how much garbage do you have do you sort your recycling these are the things the pressing issues that the brewing network is getting to the bottom of in 2013 some, some people might actually be brewing a beer they could be like brewing the style we're talking about nobody brews beer oh come on nobody <laughs> they just beer. peel the labels off something they buy and send it in right <laughs> Like, here you go. Slap. Uh, okay, so let's uh, go over the beers that we just tried. We had uh, Glenn, correct, with his Vienna Lager. Mm-hmm. And uh, we like the beer. It's a good beer, right? It seemed like a good recipe. And, that, yeah. you know, that, that second bottle was definitely better. Uh, so, you know, there is some bottle-to-bottle bottle bottle variation. We get that sometimes. But, yeah, it was a good beer. I liked it. Uh, just kind of um, need to fix that acetaldehyde and... Um, you know, avoid oxidation, and and it would it would be a lot. Um, it, you know, clean up some of those little little flaws that we saw in there. But otherwise, it was a pretty pretty good choice of of ingredients and everything. And and it seems like he knew knew what he was doing. He's for um, you know as long as he's been doing it, he's he's yeah. on the right path. So send, uh, us, send us some more beer later, Glenn. Yeah. Thank you. Now, Please Glenn, do. Glenn is an insanely ambitious brewer to be doing all that with such a difficult thing beer to brew so quickly after learning how to brew. I mean, right. everything from you know managing lager yeast ferments to getting a new beer gun working properly and everything. That's just he's it takes a while it. to get all that stuff down. He is going for it, and I appreciate that. And I Me think too. you know. Another year under his belt or six months, do this again, he'll probably have a very nice Vienna lager. I would I would not be at all surprised for that. Uh, so you guys were talking about the acetaldehyde. If I said it right, I don't know. I never... Is it acetaldehyde? Acetaldehyde. Aceta, is it, is nobody really knows how to say it. All right. Let's say acetaldehyde. The green apple flavor. Yes. <laughs> um, how do you get rid of that? Lee, you were mentioning leaving it on the yeast a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, it, and that's what you do? Generally, healthy yeast will reabsorb that at the end of the ferment. So you need to have some healthy yeast. You have need to have it well mixed in with the beer. So mm-hmm. for a lager, well, I mean, it works for an ale, too. I mean, for an ale, during a diacetyl rest, you'll get rid of it for a sort of British style. For a lager, <laughs> do the diacetyl rest at the end. You'll get rid of the diacetyl, and it should get rid of the acetaldehyde pretty much the same way. It'll absorb it all. The key is you have to have some healthy yeast around that's still got some energy left uh, to keep itself alive, you know. And it can help also if, it's, if the yeast is all crashed out. 
um, which you know you have to look at your fermenter to see if that's the case, to rouse it a bit maybe. Get it stirred up into solution, you know, when it's, okay. it's basically at the tail end of ferment and it just wants to crash out. Mix it in with the beer and that'll help absorb all that stuff. That's kind of the classic reasons why some of the, the English beers will tend to have diacetyl. The yeast tend to flock like crazy. Mm-hmm. And they just don't stick around in suspension to fish out all the diacetyl and eat they it up. They yeah. just clump up and drop, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. if, if you actually rouse it up for a while, you might get rid of it better, but... Yeah, but it sounds like well. Glenn did a lot of things right with his yeast, too, and he pitched plenty of healthy yeast, two vials into a starter, I would think would be plenty to ferment this beer. And uh, there was the, the fine point that he made about maybe not raising your temperature up too fast early in the fermentation, which mm-hmm. might generate some, you know, a, a more uh, a greater abundance of those elements, the acetaldehyde and, uh, you know, diacetyl and things like that. So, okay. yeah. Great. Uh, and then Caleb, we're going to talk about him like he's not here still, but indeed he is. Sitting in Doc's chair. Um, he had that wonderful premium American lager. What, 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 can, what can you say to that? I it mean, was pretty premium. We were talking about uh, maybe bumping the malt up a little bit. Uh, Brian, you are saying a small, tiny bit. Yeah, um, we're talking about just minor adjustments here. Uh, you know, We're at basically a 40-point a beer, roughly, and it's... Um, just needs some some fine tuning a little bit, but uh, it was interesting that it, it it sounds like it was a single hop beer. Was that the case? Yeah. So um, it, you could experiment with blending hops, but I thought the the character that was there was interesting. It was it was a nice choice for the beer. Uh, you know, amazingly for what you had around being the the choice that you right. made that day. But um, that and that's what a lot of brewers do. So you know, the next time you can make it with a different hop, and it'll come out totally different. But or you were even saying the extracts. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can try some hop extracts. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that might, that's... you know, do it like the big boys do for these things. It might Why get not? rid of that little bit of unwelcome vegetable flavor from or the Or it might yeah. start tasting more like crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll have to drink it or do something, but, you know. I kind of did like the vegetable character. It, it, it gave it like a... A level of interest it doesn't usually have. Thank you yes. very much. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and then we're talking minerals also. Yeah, a, l- a little bit of, of sort of a mineral flavor calcium showed up, and that, you know, just don't add calcium, uh, what did you add, calcium carbonate? Yeah. Maybe some yeah. chloride would be a little better, a little less, maybe blend some RO water in there. <laughs> I would um, definitely, too, also, like, start, um, you know, uh, filtering your water, get one of those, it's like a filter housing with a thing you screw onto your tap and, and, and just, you know... Um, don't just, get just it. I mean, it, it seemed to work for what you did. I'm not. You're, there must not be very many chloramines in your water supply there. But I don't know. I think yeah. B- build one yourself. You know, the water where I'm at, if you don't filter it, it's going to make horrible beer. <laughs> so you're lucky, I guess. All right, I think that's about covers it, right? Sure. All right, that's let's, it. Uh, let's play the outro music and get out of here. What do you think? We're ready to hit the wormhole. We're ready to hit the wormhole. Okay. Uh, thanks again, of course, to our lovely sponsor, 5starchemicals.com. Head on over there. Find out what's missing in your brewery arsenal. I just made that up. That's a pretty good tagline. Uh, ask for it by name at your local homebrew shop. Also, i uh, like to thank Brew Toad. If you want to figure out the recipes for any of these beers that we've talked about on this show or the past shows or the future shows, who, who knows, go to BrewToad.com, look up Dr. Homebrew, and uh, you'll find all these recipes on there, fully laid out in beautiful, vibrant color, easy to use, great interface. Uh, thanks to our sponsors. Who, who do we got? Nico Brew. We got Grog Tag. We, we have everybody. Uh, Rebel Brewer is a new guy that we got on. Uh, Creek Monkey. Uh, visit all these people. Tell them you love them. And if you love the show, go to iTunes 
and uh, rate this stupid thing. Would you please rate it, comment on it, tell everybody how great it is. Um, if you don't like the show, uh, go to iTunes and rate the session and tell them how terrible that session was because that's what this is called. If you love it, this is the Brewing Network's um, Dr. Homebrew show. Uh, please go to iTunes and help us. Um, I don't even know what it does. I guess, I don't know. It does some things. We've, we also we forgot to thank Skype though and all those thank yous you just <laughs> thanks mentioned. to Skype thanks to Skype for uh, right. for for getting the landline some uh, some use fifth uh, adding sponsor. complexity to our lives right right yes. all right everybody thanks for coming in Caleb and uh, thanks for calling in Glenn and of course to Brian and Lee thanks a lot as always but you have no choice and uh, we'll see you guys later it's Doctor Homebrew. <laughs>